Welcome to Money Mastery with Marshy. This podcast is for you if you're someone who wants to develop the mindset, the skill set, and the character attributes needed to grow yourself, grow your wealth, and ultimately master your money. I look forward to going on this journey with you. Let's get into the episode. Money Mastery with Marshy. This is your host, Daniel Marshall. And in today's episode, episode number 20 of the podcast, I have an incredible guest lined up for you today. This woman, she's an absolute powerhouse. She's had a big influence on myself, on my wife, Casey, as well over the last few years. She's been a business mentor and I've learned so much from her and her husband, Lloyd, who actually interviewed on episode number nine. So Alicia Fernandez, but before I let you on a few things about Alicia. She's the founder of Social Media School. And the crazy thing about this as well, which we're going to dive into in her story is, you know, she's a self-confessed introvert. Back in the day, used to be scared to pick up a phone. And now she's actually out there teaching people how to put themselves out there on social media, which is incredible. And I can't wait to dive into that part. She's also the co-founder of the Rediscover You program, which has helped, I think, is it 20,000 plus people with their health and fitness goals, which is incredible. Um, her and her partner Lloyd have built you know, seven-figure businesses together. They've built seven-figure share portfolios together. They're an absolute powerhouse couple. So Alicia Fernandez, Fernandez, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some of your journey with us here today. Wow, she sounds amazing. I hope she shows up today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for that introduction, Marshy. And it's such an absolute honor, really, to be on your show, be on your podcast. And I cannot believe you're already at episode 20. Where has that time gone? So congratulations to you and kudos to you for sticking with it. Because I know there's a lot of people out there who they start something and then, you know, a few weeks later they stop. So I'm excited to see where you can take this. So thanks for yeah. Oh, thanks so much, Alicia. I was, I was definitely, I've been wanting to do the podcast for a long, long time. I, I procrastinated on for, for it for so long, but I finally got there and it's been so much fun. And I, I just love being able to have these conversations with people like yourself just to, to learn about your journeys, to learn the secrets to business, to money, to growing yourself. It's, it's just so cool that people like yourself are willing to come on here and share your secrets with all of us. So thank you. Oh, so good. Well, I hope I have some secrets to tell you. And I, you know, I always do a little prayer before I jump on a podcast or a live. And I'm like, I hope I can provide the most amount of value in the shortest amount of time. So, you know, I said to you before we jumped on and made us all official that we're recording this episode that I can, you know, I'm happy to share anything and everything with you, hoping that at least one listener of yours gets some value. So um, yeah, let's dive in. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I'm well, because you've said that about having a little prayer before you come on to something like this, Alicia, I'm very curious. I don't think I've asked anyone this, uh, this question yet, but how has faith impacted your journey and allowed you to, to be who you are now, doing the incredible things that you're doing? Oh, such a beautiful question. I actually got goosebumps with you asking me that. And I think what it has done for me, so I'm, you know, a self-confessed introvert, but I'm also, you know, I used to struggle a lot with perfectionism. So if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, it needs to be perfect before I execute it, I totally get it because I have been there. But ever since, you know, um, I've started my faith journey, it's almost like you take a faith step and you trust mm. in the process that great things are going to happen. And I feel like when you have faith, 
you execute on things like with your podcast, Marshy, you know, you've been thinking about mm-hmm. launching it, but it's just like, it's a faith step because you don't know whether it's going to be successful or not, or whether people are going to enjoy it or not. But when you have faith, you're like, I'm just going to go with it. And you know, a higher power will look after me, especially mm-hmm. when your intentions are good and you want to give back to people, which is exactly what you're doing. And so to answer your question with that, I feel like it's allowed me to release perfectionism in a, a lot because I have faith. So I hope that makes oh, sense. I love that, Alicia. And it's I'm so glad that you brought that up as well, because that's probably a secret ingredient that hasn't been unpacked on any stories yet. But out of all the books that I've read, the autobiographies on successful people, faith is such a common theme. It's been powerful for me as well. And I, I would love to know, Alicia, what, what does faith actually mean to you? It's a gr- Faith is just like, it's just being like really thinking about it, it's just like, I feel like anxiety comes from living in the future. Mm. You know, it's just like you get anxious about something because you're living in the future about something that hasn't even happened yet. And I think faith for me is knowing that I'm going to be looked after no matter what. And so Mm. I think it's as basic and as simple as that. It's just like, I'm going to be looked after everything, you know, as cliche as it sounds, everything happens for a reason and believe in that, that, you know, in hindsight, when you look back, you'd be like, oh my gosh, that happened because that happened and that happened because of that happened. But at the time it was like, oh my gosh, why did that happen to me? And so I mm. guess faith is almost just like believing like good stuff is going to happen to you. Mm. I hope. Yeah. yeah. Good question. I, I don't that. think anyone's asked me that before. So it's always good to, you know, say out loud kind of what's going on in your head. So yeah, yeah. I love, I love that Alicia. And have you always had that faith or has it been something that you've developed over your journey? Yeah, no, definitely not. It's all very, very brand new. So for those of you who don't know me, I actually grew up in Dubai. So Muslim country, went to school there, finished school, and then I moved to Australia. So I didn't really have religion in my life at all. I was like, oh, I always used to say to people, I'm an atheist. Like I believe there's something, but I don't know what there is but I always Mm. knew that there was something and it wasn't until you know I think it was like 2020 I got introduced to I call an angel on earth Janae Top if you listen to this Janae I love you and she was the one that invited me to come along to church and I got I walked into church Pentecostal church and I was just like oh my gosh where has this been all my life and Mm. I just almost felt like it was this self-development event each and every week but I cried the first time I walked in and I was like, this makes so much sense. And so, you know, the more I've dived into it and understand a little bit more about it, I'm just like, oh, that's where it's come from. And so it's only brand new, like four years into my journey, but already had a massive impact because I did suffer from like, oh my gosh, living in the future, having anxiety, making sure it was perfect and all of that. But when you just trust the process that someone else is looking after you, um, I think it changes everything. Mm, I love that. I love that, Alicia. Is, is it almost for you, does it feel like a weight's been lifted off your shoulders knowing that it's like not all the responsibilities on you, there's actually oh, sure. bigger because things at play? Isn't. Because it isn't. Yeah. It isn't. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad we've kicked off the conversation with this talk because I feel like a lack of faith is what holds so many people back in their life from achieving what they want to achieve. Yeah. It's, yeah, so true. And it's just like when you take on that responsibility yourself and you feel like, okay, it all relies on me, then there's so much, I guess, pressure that's put on. But it's just like, no, it's actually 
bigger than that. And so um, life's so short as well, right? And so it's just a matter of if you want to start that podcast, start that podcast. If you want to start that Instagram account, if you want to start that business, start that business. Because at the end of the day, nothing can go wrong, right? It's just a matter of like, great, I tested it. At least when I'm 70, 80 years old, I can look back going, I gave that a shot. You know, I really, I had that, you know, that I guess, feeling inside of me I gave it a shot it didn't work out but you know the last thing that I want to do is regret something and so yeah having faith really helps you execute on something that's sitting inside of you and one of my girlfriends recently said to me so we were chatting about this beforehand in the podcast the behind the scenes and she goes you're so like you're so good with fashion and you're so great at styling fashion. She goes, have you ever thought about starting an Instagram account? You know, just blogging about fashion in particular sheen, like I love sheen clothes. And um, I was like, yeah, I've been thinking about it. And then she was just like, God or whoever you believe in a spirit, someone has planted that idea into you, you know, otherwise you wouldn't even be thinking about it. And she goes, if you don't execute it, he or she, whoever you believe in, is going to go and give it to someone else to execute on. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so powerful and it's so true. Like, that is why it was given to me because I'm being entrusted in executed it, executing it. And the very that night, I started the account. And so it was just like when you have that, like when you have an idea, you're given an idea for a reason. So you might as well execute on it. So, um, Yeah. I forgot what the question was, but uh, that came up for me because I was like, yeah, the idea was given to me and um, execute on it. Okay. Well, Alicia, before we wind back the clocks, I really want to go back to the start of your journey where we all where you all began. Just for some reference and perspective for where you are right now, tell, tell the audience about some of the businesses because before we actually started hit record, you were telling me about all the different businesses you have going on. Tell us about the businesses that you're involved in at the moment, just so that the, the audience can get some perspective about what's happening in your life. Uh, so, yeah, we've got a few. So my husband and I, so go and listen to Lloyd's episode, episode nine, I believe you interviewed Yeah, it's a good Lloyd. episode. So we have a financial coaching business. We have a network marketing business in the health space. We have a social media school. And I have a little side hustle where I look after little dogs at home. <laughs> and I have an Insta- a few Instagram accounts where I'm building an audience. And so what I was saying to you before is like all of these businesses have been set up with intention and they're all in- they all integrate beautifully with one another. So it's not like mm-hmm. I have this business, I have that business, and then I have to put this hat on and then that hat on. They kind of all work really, really well together. And they were born because of our network marketing business. Like we came in and we have like a, over 100 consultants that we train across the world. And, you know, what Lloyd, my husband, noticed the most was people were making so much money in network mm-hmm. marketing that they didn't know how to manage it. So the financial coaching business was born because of that. We Mm -hmm. identified that there was a problem in the marketplace. And then we realized that our consultants, you know, struggled a little bit with social media and how to market their story online, which is where social media school was born. And so I feel like once you start something or 
doors open to other things because you're like, I'm in the trenches, I'm in the marketplace, I can see that there's a problem there. And as an entrepreneur, it's just like, okay, we get paid for solving people's problems. So it's like, what can we create to start solving mm. problems for people? And in exchange, people obviously give us their money because there's a value exchange there. So yeah, we've got a few different businesses going on and um, yeah, but they all work really well together. So, so what I'm hearing, Alicia, is your businesses are, they're an extension of who you are essentially and what you care about. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? So fair to say. So I always say to people, I'm like, I know you if you hand over your phone to me and I check out your explore page on Instagram and whatever <laughs> reels pop up or on YouTube, I know what interests you. And that's where you start, right? Because you're consumed yeah, yeah. by it. You watch it, you read it. And yeah, so if you pull up my phone and look at my explore page on Instagram, you will see a lot of that stuff reflected back. And so, yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. Now, Alicia, can, because if we go back, how was it about 10 or so years ago, you were working at, was it 10 years ago, you were a paralegal or was it a little bit longer? Oh, uh, no, no, no. It would have been less than that. Maybe like less? seven, yeah, seven years okay. ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. Okay, seven years ago when you were working as a paralegal, could you imagine like what you're currently doing now, the businesses that you and Lloyd have built together? Like, was that even a possibility in your mind seven or so years ago? So um, it's such a fascinating journey. So um, I grew up in Dubai, like I said, so I went to high school mm. and I, when you live in Dubai, you're not actually legally allowed to work until you're 18. So I went to school. And so when I moved to Australia, a lot of people that I became friends with, they're like, you know, I've been working a job since I was 14, 15. And I was like, well, I wasn't even allowed to work in Dubai. So I pretty much finished school, went to university, did a Bachelor of Commerce, so a Bachelor of Business, got this amazing university degree. And then I moved to the Gold Coast after I graduated. And I struggled to get a job, believe it or not, because no one would give me an interview because I had no work experience. And I was just like, just give me an interview and get me in front of someone and I will get the job. Anyways, I eventually got the job and um, it was actually an entry level role as a receptionist. And that's how I started my corporate career. And I did, I excelled at that job. And within three months, they um, promoted me to the in-house paralegal. And, you know, when I look back and to answer your question, when I was at, so I went to high school, did well, like did okay at high school. Then I went and did a university degree and all my friends at university, they were all like, oh my God, I can't wait to work for the big four, the big four banks, you know, once I graduate. And I was like, kind of almost like the black sheep. Cause I was like, I'm not even applying for those roles. That does not interest me at all. I always had this, I don't know, this feeling inside of me that I was just like, I'm not cut out for that. I do not want to do that. There's something else. And I didn't know what it was. So I obviously have that that entrepreneurial spirit inside of me because I didn't want to follow the norm. And it took me a while to figure it all out. And I remember working in my corporate job, I would go onto Google and I would Google like side hustles and, you know, ways of making money at home. And, you know, I was a mystery shopper for one, you know, a small second of my life because I was just like, there's something out there. And I guess network marketing allowed me to become an entrepreneur without any risk. It allowed me to figure out this whole business world without it being so scary. And that, you know, I guess my network marketing career has given me the skills to go off and start other businesses. And so I feel like there was all, there was always something inside of me. I just didn't have the right vehicle. And once I got mm. the right vehicle and I learned the skills, it's opened up so many other doors. Okay. Okay. And Alicia, back, you know, seven, eight years ago, 
I wish I could have seen that version of you because I just I just can't imagine you being this introverted shy person like afraid to pick up a phone because now I've I've seen you you know speak on stages of hundreds thousands of people, you know you're you're so good on social media you're so good in front of a camera, like tell us about who you were back then and some of some of these fears that you had around speaking putting yourself out there, um, on the phone and that type of thing. Tell us about that. So good. So I guess. Going through my university degree and I kind of did something, I just followed my sister. So I actually just did the mm. university degree because my sister did it. So first and foremost, I did a gr- degree in something that didn't really interest me. Yes, business, but you don't really learn business at university. <laughs> you just don't. And um, so when I went through that university degree, I was surrounded by people that were super, super smart. So I feel like that really like shook my confidence maybe in a little way. And then when I got the paralegal role, just imagine I was in the cu- a small little cubicle in front of my computer. I didn't speak to anyone all day. And I was just like, didn't really interact with anyone. So I was very, very shy, very, very introverted that I... I share this story because it's super, super true. Like I would be so afraid to pick up the phone to order pizza. Like that's where my self-confidence was at. I was just, I don't know. I didn't really have the skills or the confidence to do that. But when we started, so when Lloyd and I started our network marketing business, we went to a self-development event that the company puts on and there our mentor, our great mentor, um, Mr. David T.S. Wood, give you a shout out because you've had a, I guess, a profound impact on my life. But he was like, your income or your wealth can only grow to the extent that you grow yourself right? Mm. Your income or your wealth can only grow to the extent you grow yourself. And I was just like, is he talking to me? I was like, is he talking to me? Because I felt like he was talking to me. And I was just like, I really wanted to be successful in network marketing. I saw, you know, some amazing powerhouse women on stage who had very similar journeys to me. And I was just like, I do want to be as confident as them one day. And so it was just sitting in that event being filled, um, with self-belief that I left that event and Lloyd, my husband, and I know you go there now too. He was like, well, if you want to get better at talking to people, because if you want to be successful in business, it's all about, you know, building relationships with people. So you're going to have to get better at that skill and come out of your shell. So why don't we go to Toastmasters? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, what is Toastmasters? And he was like, it's a place where you go to learn how to become a better communicator, how to actually be um, more confident with public speaking. And you can only imagine how I felt about that. But I was just like, I remembered my income can only grow to the extent that I grow myself. So I went along to our very first Toastmasters meeting. And if you've ever been to a Toastmasters meeting, and if you haven't, at the beginning of the meeting, what do you have to do? You have to stand up individually and say your name and where you're from. So I stood up, I had like butterflies in my in my tummy, my face was like bright red, and I stood up and I was just like, I am Alicia, and then my glass of water just spilled in front of me, and it went everywhere, and I could just feel my face, you know, go even brighter red. Anyway, so I sat down, and I had two choices, you know, after that meeting. I could be like, oh my God, I made a fool out of myself, I'm never ever going to go back, or I'm going to go go back get better and conquer that fear of public speaking. And a lot of people didn't know that Lloyd and I actually went to Toastmasters for two years 
three Wednesdays of the month for two years straight. And we didn't just go and sit back and enjoy it. We were, you know, we would speak at every meeting. We would enter all the competitions. And so I say that a lot of my self-confidence now, speaking on camera, speaking on stage, was really born at Toastmasters. I was really born mm. there because and people are like oh my god but i'm scared of public speaking how can you go to toastmasters that's why people go to toastmasters because they're scared of public speaking so you're actually in a room of people who want to get better at public speaking you're not in a room full of people who are like i'm amazing at public speaking but if you are then they're going to be your mentors when you go there and we had some amazing mentors at toastmasters as well so you know yes very very shy once upon a time and i still you know i still enjoy my alone time i still enjoy being at home but i know that when i jump on camera um, or on stage i'm providing value to someone else and it's not necessarily about me and again someone said that to me once at an event because i was super super nervous before i went on stage and i was like i feel sick in the stomach and he goes when you remember it's not about you and it's about that that one person who learned something from you, it changes everything. And I feel like that's helped me along my journey as well. So, yeah, to answer your question, Toastmasters, but then not just attend one meeting, but continually, you know, develop that skill of, you know, speaking in front of people. Yeah, I, I, love, I love that you shared that part, Alicia. And Alicia, you and Lloyd were the big reasons why I started Toastmasters and I've nearly been going every Wednesday for almost two years now myself now because, you know, one of the secrets of success is find someone who's got the results you want and do what they do essentially. So I was like, okay, Lloyd and Alicia, they've got some pretty damn good results. So yeah. I'm going to attend Toastmasters and I've really, I've really enjoyed it. And it's just such a great place to, to build confidence, to become a better communicator. I'm always raving about it. So it's so cool to hear that you and Lloyd did that. And I think, Sometimes people forget, they might see yourself, they might see Lloyd, other people as very successful now, because you guys are, but they don't see all these things that you guys did back in the day to build your confidence, to build your skills, to build your character. And I feel like that's so important for people listening to understand that you've got to invest time, you've got to be courageous to do these things to, to become the person that you want to be. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just like I always... I'm like, I wish I could just like download onto you my self-confidence, but if that's actually where the work is done, the work is going to the Toastmasters meeting, meetings, you know, week in, week out. The work is jumping on a Facebook Live when you're petrified, when you've got butterflies in your tummy, speaking from experience. I remember doing my first ever Facebook Live and I was like running up and down our uh our kitchen and our living room I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god I can't do this I can't do this and then this is why environment's so powerful I had Lloyd there going of course he can you know environment is stronger than willpower so make sure you have a couple of people around you who will pour belief into you when you don't believe in yourself and then mm. that's where also confidence comes from because it's just like courage comes before confidence and so I was super nervous to go to my first Toastmasters meeting I was super nervous to do my first Facebook live I was super nervous to be on stage in front of 5,000 people but once I got off that stage guess what I had confidence because I was like I did that I was scared I was nervous but I overcame that fear and so, yeah, environment is stronger than willpower is a super, super important one. But yeah, just working on, you know, if you want to become better at something, finding a mentor, you know, like you, Marshy, and being like, okay, what are some of the things, let me unpack Marshy's journey that he's been able to do over the last few years to become the person that he is today. 
um, because that's where that's I guess that's where the fun is. You're like I've put in all this work and this is who I've become. If it just happened overnight, you wouldn't probably I guess um, what's the word I'm looking for appreciate it as much. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And Alicia, because obviously you and Lloyd have done this together on the journey. How how, how important has it been having a supportive partner to help you to build with to build your dreams together? Because I feel like that's pivotal. It's so it's so cool that you two have found each other and that you're ambitious and that you're building it together. Like how, how big has that been on your journey for you two? I feel like we could do a separate podcast episode. <laughs> Maybe we should. And it may ruffle a few feathers, but you know, Lloyd and I, I always say we are best friends with benefits. And you know, mm. that's why I have kissed a lot of frogs in my day, but we we, I guess we were attracted to each other. Yeah, by looks, like he's super handsome, but values and our values from the very beginning have been super aligned. Like we we appreciate freedom, we appreciate family, we appreciate health. Like we've got very very similar values, and I think because of that, we've been able to you know grow together. And I think one of the most important things that happened with us was when my when we started in network marketing, I started using the products because I wanted to lose 10 kilos. And Lloyd knew that. He was like, yeah, you want to lose 10 kilos. I get it. And so when I ordered the products, he was like, order me the products as well so I can do it with you. Supportive spouse, supportive spouse. Not like I'm going to sit back and watch you go through it. He's like, I'm going to do it with you because I'm going to support you because I know those are your goals and you want to achieve them. And so he did it with me. So we started from the very beginning and every event that we've been to, every self-development event, we go together. And um, I don't know if I can coach that or train that um, to someone else. It's just like, it just it's in me. I'm like, it's important to him. So it's important to me and vice versa. And so we are super, super supportive on everything that each other does. And we're super critical to one another too, because I'm his best friend and he's my best friend. And of course, we're going to be super honest with each other, but we, we come from a place of, I, I, I see better in you and I want you to do better. And so I feel like because we married on values, we got attracted on values, we've been able to take it elsewhere. And there hasn't been any clashes future. I was like saying to Lloyd, it's going to be our eighth wedding anniversary this year. That's insane. And it's just a super, super fun journey to be on with each other because we've both got this entrepreneurial spirit. We both fall in love with the process. And um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into a certain aspect of it, which is obviously you've built the network marketing business together and all the other businesses that have come from that. I'm curious to know the dynamic between how you two work together because you play different roles. And I would love to know what are the different roles that you two play in the businesses that you build together? Yeah, so good. And again, this has been like test and measuring as well. So when we first started out in business, we were probably only dating each other for like two years, maybe two years. And um, with business, there's all these different hats or these all these different roles, right? And at first, we didn't really know what Lloyd was good at, what I was good at. And so we had to figure that out. And I guess the way to figure that out is by doing everything. And what you naturally gravitate towards is your genius, is your magic. And so for so many years, 
Lloyd was just like, you need to jump on the calls and train the team. You need to do this. You need to be on camera. And then I did it because I was like, okay, maybe this is what I need to do in order to be successful. But over the years, what we've realized is Lloyd is amazing on with coaching and teaching. That is, that's his spiritual gift. He is gifted. Mm-hmm. He would roll out of bed, you know, and in two minutes jump on camera and be able to provide you so much value because he's an amazing teacher and coach. Whereas I much prefer behind the scenes. So I love, you know, I love reports. I love admin. I love graphic design. I love, cre- I'm, cre- I'm creative. And so we have over the years, naturally gravitated towards those two things and so we know that Lloyd is almost like the front he jumps on he does all the training all the coaching and together behind the scenes I do a lot of like the admin the graphic design and then we love to build systems together and he's almost like a big picture he's a big picture visionary in the relationship Mm. in the marriage and then I'm almost like the detail orientated person so I'll be like hey this is great big picture let's fill in the gaps in order to execute the big picture but at first it was just like okay we maybe we need to do everything but now we've realized no I'm really good at certain things and he's really good at certain things and we're both okay with that and when you start working in your genius of things that you know you're great at it becomes so much more fun you find a team of people who are good at the stuff that you're not good at and it's their Mm -hmm. genius and then that once that happens oh magic happens what did you guys find once you started to to not do everything like by yourselves and you operated in your zone of genius, Lloyd operated in his, what happened to your business and your fulfillment levels and everything else? Yeah, well, fulfillment levels definitely go up because you actually feel like you're, um, you're enjoying it more because you're like, okay, I'm really good at this. But then once you focus on a, a few things that you're good at, you get better at it. So obviously you get more efficient at it. And so I feel like that's exactly what's happened to us. We become more efficient, but also from like a communication standpoint, Lloyd knows what I'm doing and I know what he's doing. And so there's no like a double up, like, oh, I did that or you you did that. It's just like, you're doing that and you're doing that. And we don't even have to like say to each other. It's almost like it happens naturally now because we've been doing it for so long. So yeah, efficiency for sure has gone up, but also fulfillment levels because I'm doing stuff that I actually enjoy doing and that I'm good at. I love that. I love that. And you touched on something just before, Alicia, about systems that you, you, know, you guys are great at setting up systems together. Tell us a little bit about, because systems are so important and I feel like it's something that didn't come naturally to me, but I was very much attracted to what you and Lloyd had created um, in the network marketing space because you had built some incredible systems and I could appreciate that coming from a coaching business what you guys had created. So tell us about systems and the importance of systems, particularly for your businesses. Well, what does systems stand for? It's like save yourself, save yourself time, energy and money, right? save yourself time, energy, and money. And I'm sure people are listening to this podcast because they want to be able to save time, make more money. And so what we realized was in order for us to create more leverage in our time, more leverage in our lives, to have more time to spend with. So one of my highest values is family, right? And so I'm like, how do I get to spend more time with my family? And the best way to do that is by creating systems. And the reason why we create systems is because we can be asleep at night and people are being educated on X, Y, and Z. The reason why you have a podcast now is it's a system. 
you can be asleep or you can be with Cliffy or with Casey and someone is listening to your podcast and learning from you. That's a system. So you can pretty much duplicate yourself or multiply yourself across the world to create a bigger impact without burning yourself out. And so systems help you do that. And, you know, we always say if you're repeating the same thing more than four or five times, a system needs to be created for that because it's repeatable. So anything that's repeatable, or if you find yourself, okay, I'm repeating myself saying this, or I'm repeating myself doing that, there is a technology out there now, my friends, that it will help you create a system around that. Why? So you can go and create a bigger impact somewhere else. And so systems are doing all the heavy lifting in the background so that you can actually provide even more value elsewhere. And by providing value elsewhere, it's just like, what else can you work on? Or spend more time with your family or, you know, enjoy more leisure, whatever it may be. But systems to us is super important. Mm. Alicia, I want to put my hand up and say I'm a little bit guilty of doing it myself. It's It's been like a program running for me that I've had to work on and overcome. I'm getting better at it. What I'm curious to know is, was setting up systems, was that natural to you or were you a bit of a DIYer before or what was what was it like for you to, to build and that I systems muscle? I have a feeling why that may be the case for you, but you can tell me whether it's wrong or right. Okay. Do you feel valued? Do I feel valued? So if you do everything yourself, you feel like you have more, you, you have a sense of purpose and you feel valued because you're like, I did that. And without, if I outsourced it to a system, then it's kind of made me redundant in a way. Do you feel that way? Sometimes, and sometimes I also feel, maybe this is maybe more a delegation thing that sometimes I feel like, oh, it's quicker for me if I, if I just do it because I know what I'm doing. But yeah. then I know in the long run, it you're shooting yourself in the foot. That's so It is so true though. And we have struggled with that. We have delegated things before. We've hired team before that haven't done it as well as us or done it as quick as us. But that's, it's never a, you know, problems in business. It's never really, um, it's only ever, it's only ever a recruitment problem. If you've got a problem in business that you can't solve, it's only ever a recruitment business. So there is someone out there, and this is the game that we play in the business world. There's someone out there better at better than us at that thing, and it's finding that right person. And what tends to happen is, and it's happened to us, we recruit or we hire a person that's not very good, so then everyone else in the world is not as good. We can do it better than them, and that's an ego thing. Because there is someone who has already done what we want to be done better. And I think it's just, again, going back to that faith step, it's just having faith. And it's just like, okay, if I, I know for Lloyd in his financial coaching business, he was wearing all the hats and he was just like, I'm going to do all my sales because I'm really good at sales. Like he's really good at sales. I'm going to do all the delivery with my coaching clients. I'm going to write my books. I'm going to design my courses. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But when he eventually found a sales team, right, to do his sales for him, and his sales team love it. Like they love it. The ladies love it because that's their genius. That's their magic. He was able to, you know, I guess, provide more value with delivery with his coaching clients 
because he said, I don't have to worry about the sales. The sales are being looked after. Now I have the bandwidth to actually provide as much value as possible to my clients when they come in. And so I think it's just a little bit of like, okay, it's a faith step because do you think he, when he outsources sales, he didn't think that they were going to do a good a job as him? Of course he did. Mm-hmm. But when it eventually happened, one sale, one sale, one sale, built his confidence and he's like, yes, for sure. But he had to take a faith step with that. And so I think it's just this journey that we battle with, but knowing that there's actually people out there and it's finding and recruiting the right people to do the right job, that's really going to make a big difference. Mm, I love that. I love that. And it's uh, you guys are definitely people that I'm modeling in that space. And it's definitely something I'm still getting better at myself. So I appreciate you sharing those insights as well. I feel like that's very valuable for for whoever's listening to this right now because it's 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 important to have that faith. It's important to to delegate things that aren't your superpower so that you can be freed up to act in your zone of genius. For sure. So, For sure. And the, Dan Sullivan, I think he wrote the book, it's the who, not the how, right? Mm. The who, not the how. So it's just like if you've got, if you're stuck somewhere in your business or there's an obstacle, it's just like, okay, instead of you going, how do I figure this out? It's like, who can I hire? Who can I talk to? Which is why this podcast is so valuable because you can actually get people on here the who's you can actually build up all your who's on here marshy <laughs> and 100%. you know to help me figure it out because there's someone out there who's already figured it out so yeah the who not the how i think i feel like i'm getting free coaching from you right now alicia appreciate it <laughs> now alicia i want to wind back a little bit now back into, into the journey because obviously we've been through how you overcame some of the the shyness the introvertness by going to toastmasters improving your communication and stuff I'm really curious to know what other major hurdles and challenges did you experience in the early days of building a network marketing business because building businesses isn't easy and I'm sure there's different things that go on. But for you personally, what what did you find really challenging in the early days? I think in the early days, just to um, pause for a second, you're a really good interviewer and I hope you get that feedback from people. So congratulations on your interviewing skills, Marsha. You asked some really great questions. But um, yes, struggles when I started network marketing. I think struggles looking back, it's we used to go to um, events at the very beginning and people would jump on stage and they would share their success stories and like how they've been able to make a gazillion dollars in four minutes and we're like well why haven't we done that and so it was just like this comparison game it's just like okay why aren't we there yet why aren't we as going as quick as them is there something wrong like what aren't we doing so i think it was almost like this belief thing in comparison to other people and what i realized was is the cream rises to the top. Have you ever heard that before? That saying before yeah. the cream rises to the top. It's just like, you've just got to stay in it long enough to get good enough. And I was so like, I wanted that instant gratification. I wanted the success and the results straight away, especially hearing everyone's success stories that it almost took my joy away. But it's just like, now we, you know, we've been in network marketing, April will make 10 years. And, you know, I feel like it's, a 10 year journey, what do they say? It's uh, 25 years to be an overnight success. And it's so true, but it's just like the struggles that I initially struggled with was for sure comparison. But now in hindsight, 10 years in, it's just like, it takes 10 years to build up the skills. It takes 10 years to build up the, the skills, the confidence, the network, 
the audience, all of those things. And so comparison can be the thief of all joy. So I think that's probably the biggest. It was just like, oh my gosh, why aren't we there yet? What's wrong with me? Um, but now, you know, 10 years in, having the success that we've had in just 10 years, I'm excited to see where the next 10 years go. So comparison was a big one. Yeah, yeah it's interesting to say that because I feel that's quite common. I've experienced that definitely myself as well. Um, still, yeah, still from time to time these days. And I was actually listening to an episode that on Lloyd's podcast earlier today about I think it was 20 wealth lessons from 2023. Mm. And I think it was number 13 really hit home for me. He was saying like how long it takes for the money to catch up to your skill level. And I feel like that's a bit of a comparison, comparison thing for me because sometimes it feels like you can be doing all this work, building your character, learning all these skills, and sometimes the results just aren't there and then you can compare yourself to other people that are probably a lot further on in the journey and it's like fuck like why 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 aren't i there yet and it can just yeah. it can be disheartening at times yeah for sure and you know you can go onto instagram and you can look at someone who has you know a million followers or they have all this audience and they have all this engagement and all these comments and you're like why why don't i have that and then you go and, you know, you interview them on a podcast and you're like, tell me a little bit about your journey. And they go, well, started off on Snapchat or YouTube 10 years ago where no one used to like my posts or you just got to start. And that's where people, like you said, you go and look at someone now and go, oh, my God, they're amazing. How Why can't I be like that? But it's like all the hard work and all the effort and all the sacrifices and all the weekends staying at home. Like I wish Lloyd and I blogged our journey more of the last 10 years of the amount of weekends that we stayed at home. When people are on the river, we live on a beautiful river here on the Gold Coast, people are riding their jet skis and their boats, they're going to festivals, they're going on holidays, and we're just like, we're here in the house, like at the beginning of our build, we're creating systems, we're like, how do we make this easier for us in the future? So it's like all those sacrifices, but sometimes it's just like, no, but I want everything now, but it takes sacrifice for sure. And so, um, yeah, it's a really, really fascinating journey when you look back. Um, but just realizing that that's, that's business, right? Hmm. And I love that you brought that up about the sacrifices because in all the people I've spoken to and anyone who's successful, there's sacrifices that you must make. And sometimes I feel like people have the wrong idea about a sacrifice because from my understanding, a sacrifice is it's letting go of something of a, a lower value for something of a higher value. So what, what I'd love to know, Alicia, is... What sacrifices did you make? You, you did say that you gave up weekends and stuff in those early days. What else did you sacrifice to have what you now have and to be who you now are? Friends. <laughs> mm. So when I first started out in, I guess, this entrepreneurial journey, I had obviously a network from university. I had a network from my corporate job. And so when I started, you know, blogging about my journey on social media, I was copying hate from my current network of friends that I had. And at the time that really hurt, hurt because I was just like, oh my gosh, they're supposed to be my friends. But the thing is I was doing something different. And when you start to do something different, you start to show up differently. People around you will get a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're like, oh no, they get a bit uncomfortable because they don't 
necessarily want to make a change. And so what they try to do, especially in Australia, what I've noticed is, you know, as soon as you do a little bit better than someone, it's like the crabs in the bucket metaphor. Have you heard that one before? So all the crabs in a bucket, if you've ever seen crabs and one tries to get out of the bucket, all the other crabs try to pull the crab back in. And so that's what happened to me when I started out in network marketing and blogging my journey on social media. I had friends, you know, mock me and, um, that was very, very difficult at the time, but people come into your life for a season, a reason or a lifetime. And so what I realized was, you know, once I, you know, remove people that aren't necessarily serving me right now in my life, it opens up doors and it opens up room and space for brand new people to come in. And so now I've got beautiful friends in my life. I've got beautiful family in my life because that's who I am right now. And that's who I'm attracting into my life. So I have massive boundaries right now of like, who I'm friends with and who I talk to because I know that it really, you know, messes with your mind because of the environment that you're in. So um, that was probably the biggest one, Marshi, were my friends at the time, but realizing that, you know, you outgrow people because you grow and then you start surrounding yourself and you get attracted to people who have common ground and interests with what you're interested in at the time. And are those people, my friends from university, from corporate job, bad people? No, it's just where they are in their life then. And you bless everyone and you're like, okay, I get it. There's no right or wrong for sure. My opinion, my perspective is not right or wrong. It's just how, what I feel. But um, yeah, it was just like, okay, I don't need to be friends with everyone and having the courage to be disliked is probably the biggest one. How, how did you do that? Because I feel like that de- you've hit on a big one that I think stops a lot of people. Like in my journey, helping people as well, I think people are, once they start to change, they realize that some of their current friends and stuff might not agree with them or be on terms with them. And it can be very, very challenging. I've experienced it myself as well. So how did you actually deal with that when that was happening in your life? I came home and cried into my pillow. <laughs> Probably a true story. No, I definitely mm. did cry. But um, again, it's just figuring out or finding places where you can go to meet new people who are like-minded. So going to clubs like Toastmasters and surrounding Mm -hmm. yourself. You know straight away, if you go to Toastmasters, you're surrounding yourself with people who want more out of life. So it's like, okay, let me put myself, instead of the world coming at you, you go towards the world. So it's like, okay, I need to find an environment that I can plug myself into to surround myself with people who want more out of life, who are higher achievers. And so I guess that's what I did. I went to Toastmasters and then I made friends at Toastmasters. And then obviously I went, I've been to so many self-development events that have been put on by our company. And I've been to these events and you're having conversations with people that are more they're not cappuccino conversations anymore. It's not like, how's your, how's, how are the kids? How are, how's the dog? It's more like, okay, what's your goal for this year? Like, okay, how can I help you get there? Or, you know, what are your obstacles? What are your struggles? Where are you at with your belief? Like those conversations are a little bit sexier than, you know, how's the weather. Mm. And so I think for me, it was like finding a new environment to plug myself into. Okay. And I think that's that's so so important. I think actually, I remember Lloyd doing a, a speak on that once, positioning yourself for success. I remember him spoke. I think it was on the Gold Coast on that yacht. I reckon he did that one. And because it sounds like you positioned yourself for success at Toastmasters, you positioned yourself for success at these different events. Tell us, Alicia, why are the personal development events so powerful to go to? Well, I actually went to 
a self-development event without realizing that it was a self-development <laughs> event. I used to think, no, no joke, that the self-help aisle, remember the self-help aisle with all the books at the bookstore? I was like, that's for people who have like problems. And that's what I used to think. And then I went to, you know, I got introduced to this whole self-development world. And it's just a matter of like, it allows you to become more self-aware. And once you become more self-aware, you're like, oh, okay, I didn't realize I was good at that. Or I didn't realize that that was where my weaknesses were. Then you can start to actually get better at it and improve yourself as an individual. And then as you become as you improve yourself as an individual and you overcome some obstacles, that's when you can start providing more value to the world. Because you're like, I was at A and now I'm at B. Let me show you how I went from A to B. And these are the things that I did. But some, a lot of people just stay at A and then they try and preach B, but they haven't gone between the bridge. And so I feel like self-development events are so amazing. But if you come out of them and you actually start implementing things, because we can become self-development just Monkeys, right guilty of it read the book oh my god I finished my 10th book of the year but it's like what did you actually implement you know we can praise those things but it's just like taking one lesson away and I always now I've been to god knows how many self-development events or events over the last 10 years on average probably like four or five a year so what's that like 50 plus and so mm-hmm. I always go okay I, when I leave this event what's the one thing that I'm going to start implementing and that's it. Otherwise, they can become so overwhelming because you're like, oh, my God, there was so much information downloaded. I heard so many speakers talk about X, Y, and Z. Where do I start? Then you're paralyzed. So it's just like, what's the one thing that I'm going to implement once I leave? And then you go to the next one. You're like, okay, I took one thing away. And then it's just slowly putting the puzzle together. And then eventually you're like, oh, wow, like it's all coming together. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a person of influence. I'm more of a person of value now because I've actually learned something, but they implemented it into the real world so i have these battle stories that i can share with people and so yeah self-development events are so great because there's people up on stage who have you know they they've been through it they've been through the journey and they're there sharing their secrets with you their tips their strategies on how you can accelerate your own success Mm, i love that and i love that you just you just looked for one thing that you could take away and implement rather than being overwhelmed by all the information that you're taking. Yeah. And I feel like I've been guilty in the past of well being a personal development junkie and yeah. reading all the books, the podcasts, going to the events. But yeah, these days I feel like when you're listening to something, if you're listening to this podcast as well, guys, like look at, th- listen to it through the lens of what your goal or intentions are and then pull the juice from that. So like whenever I'm reading a book these days, Leisha, or listen to a podcast or going to an event, it's, I'm listening and reading and watching through the lens of what am I trying to achieve and then just trying to grab something to then implement into what I want to do. And that sounds exactly what, like what you've been doing. It's so true though, but it's just like, it's allowing that time to actually be like, okay, what, what are my weaknesses right now? Or what are my obstacles or what are my struggles? And it's just like, okay, how can I, how can I overcome that? So if you're in business right now and you're struggling with generating leads, it's like, okay, what book? Or what podcast or what YouTube video can I watch, consume to get better at generating leads? And so it's just like being intentional with what you're consuming on social media or being intentional with the books that you're reading to get better at that one particular skill. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's like so important. And I'm the same. I'm like, okay, I'll pick up a book and I'll be like, okay, I want to get better at this. I'm going to read this book or I want to get better at this. I'm going to watch that YouTube video. We have access in this day and age to so much information. It's just a matter of going out, 
learning it, but then also implementing it. What are you reading right now, Alicia? I'm reading, so um, Don Miller, Donald Miller. Yes, yeah. Book. It's like how to do business simply or something like that. The title okay. of the book, Business Made Simple, Business Made Simple. And so um, he talks about 10 things on how you can become more, a person of influence. But he basically, the underlying message so far in the book is just like, you are an economic product. So you're an economic product. So how can you make yourself more expensive by learning all the different skills? And mm. so that's what he talks about. So he dives into like 10 different ways on how you can become a more expensive product, if that makes sense. So business. Makes I love sense. that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious, how, how have you become a more valuable asset over the years and, and become so influential? Like you're very influential now for sure and you're an appreciating asset like if i had money if i could invest in you alicia i would invest in you because you're an appreciating asset same with lloyd yeah but what have you done to become an appreciating asset and build your influence over all these years so good i feel like um especially in network marketing it was just like we lloyd and i always say when we coach anyone we're like we never teach or coach on anything we haven't done ourselves and so we have been in the trenches, we're still in the trenches and we teach and coach on things that we've done. And so it's just a matter of, okay, um, teaching, getting better at generating leads. So go out and test and measure different ways of generating leads and then being able to, okay, that worked, that didn't work so well, teaching other people how to do what we did to get the results that we did. Oh my God, I don't know how to follow up. Okay, these are all the different strategies that I've used in the real world to follow up. These are the ones that got me success. I'm going to share them with you. But for me, like, okay, so all those skills, you know, um, how to build an audience, how to market to that audience, how to sell to that audience, how to build a team, how to build a community. We have learned all of those things over the last 10 years by doing it, have the results on the board, becoming a person of value because we've actually done it, but then teaching people how to do it as well. But where I get like so much enjoyment and so much fun is teaching people how to like, I love it. It's like, oh my God, that's so boring. But I like love showing people how to like use technology. Like I would love to sit down with you and be like, okay, this is how you can create a reel from beginning to end, like the tech and all the editing. Like I love that. I love to show you how to use Canva and develop a, a lead magnet using Canva, the ins and outs and things like that. So I feel like becoming a personal value is going out and learning something, using it, getting results, and then teaching other people how to do it as well. And continually mm -hmm. learning those skills. And so, you know, yesterday, for example, I used ClickFunnels and I set up a landing page to collect emails that I integrated into my active campaign to send out an automatic email. And I just sat there and I, you know, you uploaded it onto my Instagram account and I was just sat there and I kind of reflected in a moment because I was like, I know how to do all of that. You know, that's pretty amazing that I'm sitting at home. No one has taught me that, Marshy. No one has mm. sat me down next to me going, this is how you use ClickFunnels. This is how you use active campaign. This is how you do reels. I have gone out onto YouTube. I've gone on to Google because there's someone who has done it already out there who has been so kind enough to give the value back to the world to become a person of influence that you can learn off. 
And so if there's a skill set or something that you don't know what to do yet, Google is such a great resource. YouTube is such a great resource. And I feel like sometimes it's underutilized. And so, yeah, becoming a person of value is like developing your skills. Like what can you be good at? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, so becoming a person of value, a person of influence and appreciating asset like you are. So it's all about, it's, it's about learning. It's about developing a skill, applying the skill, getting results and then sharing that with others. Is that pretty much it? Pretty much it. And anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. But I feel like, I feel like what stops people is um, the first step, that faith step. It's like, who's going to listen to me? Um, that imposter syndrome, like, why would anyone listen to me? I'm not a person of value. But the thing is, like, you just have to be one step in front of your ideal audience. So you just need to know one thing that your ideal audience or your ideal client doesn't know yet. And if you can teach someone something, of course, you're going to show up as a person of value because you just taught me something. That's so amazing. Like you taught me how to use this software today, right? You're a person of value. Do you even know it existed? until you sent it to me, you're a personal value because you've tested and measured. You're like, okay, I'm going to explore this new technology where I can record my podcast episode. And now you've given it to me. And of course, I'm going to chat to someone one day and they're going to be, I'm starting this podcast. What do you think? I'll be like, oh my God, there's this technology that you can use where you can jump on and do the videos. And so it's all about testing and measuring and trying stuff out. And then you can show up as a person of value. Mm. Now, Alicia, you mentioned imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Do you, does that still creep in for you from time to time or have you totally, no, it's not a thing anymore? No, of course it creeps in from time to time, but it's just like, I feel like the higher the level, the bigger the devil. And so whenever you grow, there's always going to be someone better. There always is. There's always like, when you reach a thousand followers on Instagram, there's going to be someone with 10,000 followers. When you get to 10,000 followers, there's going to be someone at a million followers. But just knowing, I think with imposter syndrome is knowing that you're not. So for example, with my social media school, yes, there are people out there on Instagram teaching social media tips, Instagram tips who have 900,000 followers. Yes, I get that. But they have an, like a micro influence of a small pool of people. I have a micro influence of a small pool of people. You have a micro influence of a small pool of people. And that's how the world is designed. So I can influence a pool of people. And so that's all I care about. I'm like, I just need to teach someone who doesn't know how to create a reel how to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not teaching the person who has 900,000 followers. I'm teaching the person who has just come onto Instagram and they don't know how to use Instagram. And they like me, they trust me. I built, you know, they, they like me for certain reasons. And so I think that's where imposter syndrome may get mixed up when you think, oh my God, like Marshy, oh, um, I am an imposter because I can't be, I can't teach Tony Robbins or I can't be as good as Tony Robbins when it comes to things, but no, you're not talking to Tony Robbins. You're talking to, you know, the person who doesn't really know what to do with their finances yet. And they need the very first step and you have a micro influence over those people because they know, like, and trust you. And so I think that really helps override imposter syndrome. It's like, you're not doing it for the gurus out there. The gurus have got it sorted. You're doing it for the person who's just started out, who needs a little bit of help. 
And that's a good point that you bring up there as well, Alicia, because sometimes it's, it's a lot better, more effective to learn from someone who's just a couple of steps ahead of you rather than 100 because the person who's 100 steps of you, it's just so, it seems so far away and not achievable. But when it's just a couple of steps, it's like, oh, okay, like that's not too far. Like it, it just feels more relatable yeah. and more achievable. Yeah. Now, Alicia, you mentioned before as well, at every level, there's a different devil. What devil are you currently facing on the level that you're at? What devil? Um, I think for me right now is... Um, it's a good question. For me right now, what devil? I think it's just a matter of... So I have a few... It's nothing too crazy... But I have a few Instagram accounts. So I probably got four or five different Instagram accounts. So it's just like, okay, do I like that conversation we we're having earlier? It's like, who do, who can I find right now to help me manage those Instagram accounts? So it's almost like that recruitment problem. It's like, okay, who can I come and help me um, manage those accounts? Because I've been doing it all myself right now. But it's just like, I think it's reached the level where it's like, okay, I probably need some help in order to keep mm. them going and keep them growing. I love that. Okay. High quality problem to have. <laughs> Yeah, now, that's it. Now, Alicia, we are on a podcast called Money Mastery with Marshy. And what I would love to know is when it comes to money finances, what were some of the like your biggest challenges or limiting beliefs perhaps that you had to overcome over the last 10 odd years to, to be the person you now are? So good. So I came from, so my dad was a super successful entrepreneur. And um, I don't really talk about it a lot, but yeah, he was, and I got to grow up and witness that. But I also witnessed him not being at home because he was obviously out building the business. And so I didn't realize that until I entered the business world that it takes sacrifice, you know, away from your family. It takes sacrifice from, you know, it's that opportunity cost. If you do one thing, obviously you're going to miss out on something else. And so when I entered the business world, I was just like, I want to build a business where I can have both. I can build a successful business, but I can also have family time because I think we're put on this world, this earth to every generation should get better and better and better. So it's just like, that's why we love systems so much, Marshy, because I have, have a high value of family and freedom. So it's like, what can we create where we can have both? Right. And so, um, I forgot what the question was. The question was, you know, what were some of the big limiting oh, yeah, beliefs like, around money? Around money, around yeah. money. So the yeah. thing was, when I entered business, that was one of the beliefs. I was just like, I don't know if I want to enter into business because I don't want to sacrifice being away from my family. I don't want to sacrifice family time. So that was one of my beliefs. The second belief was I saw my dad make a lot of money. So I was like, the men make all the money. So I had that belief that men make the money and women kind of just you know, look after the man. And so I had that second belief. And then the, I guess the third belief was, um, I was very good when I entered the workplace, I was very good at making money, but I was also very good at spending money. So I had this belief that, you know, it will always come. And I didn't really understand investing, um, until Lloyd came into my life and I was open to him coaching me around that where he's like, you can actually have both. You can actually spend money, which I love. So if you don't know the money archetypes, I'm a spender. So I absolutely love spending money. I get enjoyment 
and out of that spending money on myself mm. but also spending money on others like that brings me a lot of joy and a lot of happiness and so he's like you can have both you can learn how to spend but you can also invest at the same time and so those are my beliefs coming into business and i guess over the last 10 years it's allowed me to build my change my beliefs shift my beliefs that um yeah i can build a business but also have family time for sure learning ways of getting better and better and better at that by having systems people leverage capital leverage you know systems actual software leverage and then women men can make the money but women can also make the money and that's totally fine and of course learning how i can actually save money as well as spend money at the same time so those are some of the beliefs that i've obviously um built or changed or shifted over the last 10 years. And I think they're always going to evolve. Like my belief in myself will evolve, you know, that I can start making even more money by creating even more impact and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I think those are probably the three that stand out the most. Yeah, there's some big ones there. And thanks so much for sharing. And I, I love it. It's such a wealth mindset that you decided that, hey, I can have a successful business and have the time with my family because sometimes it's, I guess a poverty or scarcity mindset that it's got to be this or that, but it's the question was, you know, how can I have both? And you've been able to actually create that for yourself, which is very, very powerful. And I also love that you said, you know, you really enjoyed spending money, but you weren't as good at, you know, managing and multiplying back in the day. But now you've been able to to learn those skills and see the value in those skills. Because I know there's a lot of people that do have the spender archetype. How how did you change how did you change that? Because obviously you had Lloyd's influence. But was there anything else you did to help change your perspective to, I guess, the saving and the multiplication side as well? I think what it's done is like, I'm so proud of myself. Like I get so proud. Like obviously Lloyd, so Lloyd and I, we have our own investment portfolio together. And then I've created my own separate one as well. So I have that building in, you know, in the background. Oh. And I'm just like, I'm so proud of what I've been able to do myself through the principles that he's taught me. And that's just when you open up your, you know, your account and you see the money sitting in there and you're like, oh my God, I did that, you know, through sacrifice. And before I used to like get the money and I used to be wearing it or eating it or, you know, <laughs> And now I'm like, I can have both. And that's really has allowed me to, it makes the game of business more fun when you actually see your money actually accumulating and multiplying. And so it's allowed me to, yeah, build my self-confidence when it comes to um, money for sure. Because now you're like, oh, right. I know what to, I know how to multiply it. Let's go out into the world, provide some more value, solve some more problems and create more money. So then we can multiply more money. And so it's super fun when you think about it. That I, way. I I love that, Alicia. And I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast and a lot of people just in general who want to make more money. You know, and uh, so many people want to make more money, but how does one make more money, Alicia? So I have to say this, but um, no, so it depends. Like, there's so many different ways of making money these days, right? So many different ways. You can drive Uber. You can uh, rent out an, a, a room in your house on Airbnb. You can sell stuff on Marketplace. You can drop ship. You can do affiliate marketing. You can do network marketing. There's so many different ways. And so for us, thank goodness, my you know business career started in network marketing because it allowed me to outsource all the stuff that I didn't really want to do, like 
develop a product, ship a product, the legals, you know, the distribution, um, the science, all of that stuff, the insurances. And so the company handles all of that. And whereas I got really good at building an audience and marketing to that audience and obviously sales. And so those skills that I've learned over the 10 years have been so transferable to so many other areas. And so I feel like when people want to make extra money, it's just like, do you need to make quick cap, like money quickly? If you do, then get in an Uber and start hustling, baby. But if you want long term, you know, you want to build this like asset, this asset over time, then yeah, um, network marketing is an amazing place to start for sure, because it allows you to build those skills that are so transferable to the point where, you know, I do another side hustle because I'm at home pretty much 23 hours of the day. I live at home. I love mm-hmm. it. I um I get to dress up when I jump on podcast episodes with Marshy. So, and I record <laughs> videos at home, but I love being at home with our dog, with Lloyd. Like, Lloyd and I get to spend all day together. We've created this amazing life. And so, um, why did I forget the question? I forgot the question again. It was all about how can someone start making some more money? Yeah, make more yeah, money. What do you do? So, the, trans- the skills that I learned from network marketing. I took those skills and I started a Mad Paws account. So if you love animals, if you love dogs, if you love cats, there are two apps if you're in Australia. They're called one of them's called Paw Shake and the other one is called Mad Paws. And you can go onto those uh, apps and set up a profile. And so what I do is I actually babysit dogs here at home. So I currently have a dog here, which is one of our side hustles. And I joke to Lloyd all the time, like I would literally look after him for free, but I'm actually being paid for this. Like it's insane. Uh, it's just so fun. But I took the skills that I learned in network marketing, like I was saying before, and I created a profile on Madpaws where I'm actually one of the most premium offers on Madpaws. I could easily have gone onto the account and looked at all the other sitters who charge like $35 a night, $40 a night. And then I could have been like, oh, I'm just going to charge $30 a night. And then of course, everyone's going to come to me because I'm the cheapest. No, I thought differently. I was like, no, I'm going to offer a premium offer because I'm going to have a different target audience of people that really want to look after their dogs and give their dogs the best possible experience, something that I would want if my dog was going to be looked after someone. So I crafted this offer, this irresistible offer where the dog comes, you know, fur baby comes and stays at our house. They get to have a puppuccino. They get a toy on arrival. They get to go in a, on a drive to, um, in our Range Rover, you know, so I crafted, you get photos sent, you get a daily update. And now I charge like $120 a night instead of $30 a night, I get to charge $120 a night. And the dogs are so well looked after the owners are feeling like their dogs are safe, they're having a great time. But I was able to craft such an irresistible offer because of all the marketing skills that I actually learned through network marketing. And so it depends on what how you want to make the money. Learn the skills first and foremost of building an audience. That's the first thing. Once you have an audience, people, more eyeballs and earballs looking at your stuff, then you can have a product, have a service that you can offer to them that's going to solve a problem and you can make money. But again, there's so many different ways. Quick quick, quick cash 
or long-term build an asset sort of business cash? There was so much good stuff in what you just said there, Alicia. You could build a whole masterclass or training on some of the stuff that you just said there. I'm sure you probably already have. Um, I think the thing that I loved as well is because most people with that the puppy sitting business or the, or the dog business, it's like, it's like, okay, if I charge lease, then you know people are going to come because I'm the cheapest. But you've used all these skills that you've learned from network marketing to actually create an irresistible offer so that you can actually charge a premium and I'm sure you will attract a much higher quality client or customer. And the other really cool thing is it's just it's doing something that you love. So you're finding a way to get paid for being you. Yeah. And all these things that you're doing, it's you're getting paid for being you essentially. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And you know, it's just like it's being creative. It's like I'm home all day anyways. The people whose pets I look after, they have to go and travel. They have to go to work. They've got to go do something. So they have a problem. I'm at home all day. I can solve that problem. They get loved when they're here. They get looked after and they're safe. So again, business value exchange is always about think about what is a problem out there that I can solve with mm-hmm. your current skill set. If you don't have a current skill set yet, say, so, okay, what skills do I need to develop and get better at so I can actually help? to solve a problem and um, it becomes fun because you're like oh what else can I do with these skills what else you know how else can I um, make some extra money but um for me yeah it's someone asked me the other day they were like why do you build like why have you been building your network marketing business for 10 years and Lloyd's like money of course and I was like (laughs) (laughs) the money the money's amazing of course super 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 grateful for every dollar that we have come in Um, But for me and for us, it's all about mastery, right? We're talking, we're on your podcast right now and it's all about mastery. It's just like, it's how do we actually get better at this? I feel like when you start out in business, you get a box with all the puzzle pieces in it and business is all about making the puzzle. And the more pieces you put in, the clearer and clearer and clearer it gets. And so I feel like that's why we build our network marketing business because it's all about mastery. It's like, how good can we get at this? And when you fall in love with the process and divorce the results, it becomes so much more fun. And that's, I think for Lloyd and I, we have done that. We're like, you know, we're gonna do this. We're gonna commit. It's not this like half-assed thing. We're just like, this is it. This is the thing that we're going to do and we're just gonna get better at it. So we have fallen in love with the process. And yes, at the very beginning, like you said, we put in so many, we put in so many long hours. We've traveled so much. We've attended so many events and our bank account wouldn't have reflected it. But now, because of all that effort that we put in at the beginning, that compound effect of our skills, our sacrifice is paying dividends now. We can week out, we can week out, we can week out. So yeah, it's like falling in love with the process. Really, it makes it so much fun. Such good advice, and maybe that's why we're a values alignment because of that. The mastery that could be part of it as well, because it's a big value for me. Uh, now, Alicia, knowing everything that you know now, like you have so many skills, you've got so much expertise, which have just compounded over the last ten years. Knowing what you now know. If you could go back in time to when you very first started this entrepreneurial journey, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Uh, This is a good one. So I would, it's very technical, but this is the advice that I would give myself. I would say, choose a niche, Alicia. So choose something that you love. Okay, so we're talking about 10 years ago. Choose something that you love 
that you're passionate about and start blogging about that on social media and show up as an authority in that one particular thing. So for example, dash hounds, sausage dogs, right? We have a little dash hound here, LV, he's seven months, seven months old. Just build an audience around people that love dash hounds by providing value around this is how I look after my puppy. This is what I feed it. This is what I train. This is what I, how I train him. Build up an audience around a particular niche. And doing that, start collecting email addresses. Because I love social media. We have built majority of our businesses on social media but it is borrowed. Social media is not ours. We can wake up tomorrow. Facebook, our Facebook account could be taken away. Our Instagram account could be taken away, but our email list is ours to keep. So I would have told myself 10 years ago, build an audience around a particular niche and start collecting email addresses to build up that audience. Because once you have an audience, we just went to ClickFunnels event in Orlando in September last year, and someone jumped up on stage and they were just talking and preaching about collecting email addresses and building a, you know, a, a list and how people, someone this one girl, she built up a beauty list. So she was just blogging about beauty products and Sephora came and bought her list from her for like $20 million. So there's a there's power in having an email list. So that's the advice that I would give myself. I've only entered like the email space over the last few years. Um, but 10 years ago, I would have just been like, do that baby. So if you're listening to this, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're not, you don't have a way of building an audience yet, especially if you want to be in business if you want to sell a product online or if you want to sell a service online i would really concentrate on building up an audience an audience is like how many eyeballs are looking at what you're putting out there on social media because a lot of people are creating this amazing content but it's landing on deaf ears because there's no one really watching it anymore because you don't have the audience yet and the way to you know, develop or build an audience is by, by providing value of something to someone and they're going to follow you. People follow you, Marshy, because of your money tips, right? Your money mindset tips. They come over to you because they know that they're going to get that value from you. And your friends, when they're out and about at parties and someone is talking about, oh, I really need to get my finances sorted, they're going to go, you need to follow my friend Marshy. Like he puts, that's the mm. content that he puts out. That's what he provides value around. And so I, you want to be that person, right? That person of authority that people come over to learn from you. And it can be as simple as dash hound tips. It can be as simple as I know someone who built a massive community on Facebook, just blogging about lamps. They love lamps and they built a huge Facebook group around lamps. So it doesn't have to be this crazy thing, but I would tell myself to build a massive audience and start collecting email addresses. Alicia, that is such such good advice to your younger self and whoever's listening to this right now write that down if you're in your car pull over write it down on a piece of pen uh, on a on some pen and paper build an audience around something you love and collect emails that is such good advice alicia and i'm with you as well that's uh, it's actually one of my big intentions at the moment building a world-class newsletter and building my list and adding value around mastery wisdom and wealth if you haven't subscribed to the list yet, yet guys, go to danielmarshall.com.au forward slash newsletter. <laughs> but Alicia, I've had so much fun unpacking your journey with you and I've learned so much about you and I've got an even deeper appreciation for who you are, your journey, the skills that you've got and the knowledge that you've got. Honestly, you are a powerhouse of a woman. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Alicia. And what I would love to know is, if people really resonate with you, if they love what you're about, 
where's the best place that they can come and check you out a little bit more? It's so good. Um, thanks, Marshy, so much. Like, it really, um, I'm really proud of you and you should be super proud of yourself because I've been able to see your journey evolve over the last few years as well. And you've just like growing and growing. You're super coachable. You learn something, you implement it. You learn something, you implement it. And so you're definitely increasing your economic product over there in yourself. But um, I, it, so what I did yesterday was I've got a few Instagram accounts like I was sharing with you. So Alicia Fernandez 87 is like my Instagram account. And so what I put in the bio is like links to all my other Instagram accounts. So if you're interested in, you know, in health, I have a health Instagram account you can follow. I have a Sheen account where I blog about fashion tips, you know, um, so you can just go over to my main account, Alicia Fernandez 87. And if you like what you see there, and if you want to go to any of my other accounts, it's probably the easiest place to go. Awesome. Well, Alicia, I'll pop that in the show notes as well. So that was at Alicia Fernandez 87. Make sure you hit follow on her page and check out her other stuff. But Alicia, it's been an epic conversation with you. Thank you so much for your time, for the value that you've given us. And I can't wait to see you again sometime in February, actually. Oh, yeah, so soon. Thanks again, Marshy. Appreciate you. And cut. All right. Thank you for investing your time and energy in today's episode of Money Mastery with Marshy. If you enjoyed this episode, if you received value from this episode, then click the subscribe button so you can be the first to know when new episodes drop. I look forward to speaking with you in the next episode.